in these end time days, we need to pray. Amen? Okay, so you're really not with me yet. In these end time days, we need to pray, right? But I want to challenge you that you do more than pray. You pray dangerous prayers. A lot of our prayers uh, aren't dangerous. A lady about 74 years old came up to me about four or five years ago, and she goes, you know, I've been in church a lot of my life. I was Catholic, then became Protestant, then we came here, and it just so radically changed me in my life. I, I, you know, I have some prayer journals like that, but I don't believe I really pray strong prayers. Could you help me with that? Because when we look at the prayers that we pray, I mean, just think about it. Just go back throughout this week. What are some of the prayers you said as you gather around breakfast, as you gather around lunch, uh, dinner? For those that did say prayers, uh, what type of prayers did we say? Uh, oh, God, thank you, bless me, you know, over the lips, down the gums, you know. Uh, whatever, whatever prayers you have, they were pretty safe. If we're doing some traveling, if we're going back to work like that, Lord, protect me, be with me. Uh, as we're worried about the virus like that, Lord, protect me, watch over me. Uh, they're all really self-oriented and keep me comfortable. It's really what the prayers are. Keep me comfortable. Don't upset the boat in any way. They're safe prayers. Uh, we don't pray any prayers that stretch us or really grow us. Because who wants to be stretched and who wants to grow, right? I mean, that's painful. We don't like to do that type of stuff. So we're gonna, we've decided I'm doing a series called Dangerous Prayers. And in this series, I'm going to do Search Me. I'm going to talk about what that is. Then we're going to talk about bold prayers, praying a bold prayer. Then I'm going to have you go to another prayer that we're going to talk about. It's break my heart. Why would we pray that? And then let's pray for one another. Now, on the one we're dealing with today, search me. The background to this is King David is in the middle of almost at the brink of a civil war. There is a great division and Fractions are happening throughout the nation. Things aren't well. There's a lot of turmoil. Uh, the decisions we'll make will determine their economic future. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. And it sounds very familiar to a time I know about right now, but that's what's going on. And in the middle of this, his enemy are saying, David, your motives are wrong. The reason you're doing what you're doing is wrong. And him knowing that a nation, a group of people, a family can only rise as high as its leadership will go. Knowing that, he prays this prayer in Psalms. Search me, O God. Now, I, I want you guys to be a little bit more interactive with me. In fact, we're going to future, I'm going to get a stairs going, come down and get you. 
I'm saying he's looking down. He's, he's, trying, he's trying to get right down. He's saying, yeah, I want, I want you to be listening to me. So take your fingers out and turn to somebody and say, he wants to search you. But do that. Because, yeah, we don't, that, yeah, okay. He says, search me, oh God. Know my heart. Test me. Not just search. Not just know. I mean, put me to the test. Let me see it. I mean, I want it, I want it really to come out. Know, again, my anxious heart. Then he's talking about the I see if there's anything offensive, any offensive way in me. And then finally, lead me in the ways of everlasting. I think that's a good verse for you to memorize. It's a good prayer for you to pray. So Lord, we are praying right now that you release your truth, you release your grace, and God, above all, you release your freedom. In your name, amen. Four searching points are in this one mini prayer. They're very powerful. I want to go through them. Number one, search me. Now, when everyone comes up and says, hey, who are you? What's going on? And you, you, that's kind of like search, you know? You're, you're trying to figure out who you are. But that's about as far as we want the search to go. We want to pull down, slow down, let me control the narrative, let me control the information, let me control the data so I can form a picture of me that I want you to have. Search me. Now, I'm a pretty good person. And that's important in our belief because, see, if, if I feel like I'm a good person, look around. I'm a good person. Good. Take a moment and look around right there because I think it's true. Really if you're out there at home, just look around and smile at one another. You know. okay. Take a look. look. Okay. Here's what's important about that. As we're looking around, we know there's someone worse than me. <laughs> so I'm doing all right because I'm ahead of the pack, you know, because God grades on a curve. So I'll get in there, maybe a C, you know? But I'm not going to fail. I'm going to at least cross the line, maybe with a D. Because there's worse people because I'm good. That's what you believe. You really, subconsciously, we kind of sense that and feel that, all right? But this is what Jeremiah says. The heart is deceitful. Right here, touch your heart. This is deceitful. But all the movies say to follow your heart. All the, all, the, all the songs say, follow my heart. I feel this in my heart. And everything is wrong because the scripture says, this is deceitful. It's lying. It's, it's going to trick you and deceive you and it's you know i want you to, this is deceitful above all things you want to know one of the first thing that's going to mess you up right here but this is what i feel this is what i want this is what i need this is what i gotta have this right here 
is the most deceitful thing that you can have above all things. And it's desperately wicked. Who can know it? I want you to notice that word know because we keep saying, God, we want you to know me. But if my heart doesn't know who I am, if my heart doesn't know my mission, if my heart doesn't know God loves me, if I don't get that part, how can I know God? Because my heart has got me floating and all over the place and I can't connect. I can't be known because I don't even know myself. That's what's going on right here. The heart by itself is evil. It hides, it deceives, it's full of pride. It wants the benefits. You know, oftentimes when you did something good, it was to get something back. We never just do something where we get nothing out of it. What do I get back out of it? And it deceives. Have you ever talked to somebody and you just kind of explain to them, this is, this is false, this is wrong, and you, you can show up with the dad and everything comes up and they go, I don't care. I'm believing this anyway. You're just wrong. But can't you? We just talked to No. How can that person ever be known? You say you know somebody, but when they don't know themselves and what's going on, how can they really ever be known? So there can't be any intimacy. There can't be any connection. There can't be any depth, any relationship there because of that. And we trick others, and we trick ourselves, we deceive ourselves. How can you even know what you're building on? The heart blames others. Take out your fingers. Just start pointing that finger around. That, yeah, that, that, that heart, you know, if it weren't for my parents, and if it weren't for that boss, and if it weren't for the economy, and if it weren't for this, and it weren't for that president, and if it weren't for that person, and that person, and you know, if it weren't for all that, it blames. It compares. Man, I wish I had that family. Man, I wish I had that that type of relationship. Man, I wish you had that money. Man, I wish you had that car. Man, I wish you had that nose. We compare and we get jealous and we get upset and we're frustrated with others and we deny and we never recognize the uniqueness, the specialness, the beauty, the awesomeness God created us for. And we're so lost in this world of me because what's this whole life about, right? Our whole life is about get some money, retire, enjoy the good life. That's why Jesus came and died for you, right? I mean, that's the whole purpose, right? It was for you. Not at all. You were designed and created for a mission. You have a purpose. You were uniquely and awesomely designed to meet every detail of that mission. But we don't know that. And we're lost. It denies. Ah, oh, can't be me. Who am I? I could never do anything. That, that is beyond. That's not even possible. It denies. 
the possibility. It tears at the flesh of others with our gossip. Because when we're yucking, we're eating other people up. As I ruin other people, as I hurt other people, as I make other people less, less good than me, I'm still good. The curve's working. David says, search me. More than that, you show me my mixed motives. You show me what's really going on. You show me the self-lies that I have. I, I remember the first time I heard this verse as a teen. It, it, it like messed with my mind, you know? How could I pray that prayer to God? I don't think I want him to know all the things I'm thinking. I don't like all the things that I'm thinking. Think I want him to know them? Uh, just, just a little tip he does already. He just wants you to know he knows. Because that's going to do something in your relationship. When you know that he does, it's either going to crush you, which is not his intent, or make you look to him in hope. Can you do something about this? And, and I'm going to tell you, search me, test me. I want you to think about this prayer. God, I want you to look at me and find out all my dark secrets. Not really. I want you to test me, and if I'm somewhere I'm blind, you show me what I'm doing wrong. Oh, heck no. And then, God, if that's not enough, Do you want God to go that deep? I mean, the test, I got I to gotta go through this problem because there's a problem and situation. It's like, I'm out of here. Let's go back to where it was. Sit in the pew, come on Sunday, praise you, God, and things are good. What it reveals is that our hearts are divided. Sunday, I can love God. The reason I can love God on Sunday is because the other six days, they belong to me. I get to think what I want to think. I get to do what I want to do. I get to make my own decisions. I don't even have to check in with you, you know. And every now and then I can miss a Sunday and it's even better. My heart's divided. It's not all in. My heart loves Jesus. So I get a moment to express that. I get a moment to feel his, his love. I get a moment for that. I feel the community. Then I get a moment to love the world, do everything else I want. Search me. Often what happens is it reveals something that we already know, and this is why we don't want to be searched, and this is why we don't want to be tested. This is why we don't want to be known, because it's this cycle. I sin, I wash, Lord forgive me, I repeat. Who wants to be reminded of the cycle? Anyone here? 
No, we don't want it. It's like, you know, I hate it. I don't like it. It makes me mad at myself. I don't feel good about myself. Why do I want you to search me? Why do I want you to test me? Why do I want you to know me? Why would I be a part of any of this? James 4.4 says this. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? So let's just break this down. If there's things in my divided heart where I'm not letting God search and test and stuff like that, that I'm wanting to keep because they're private and secret, it's what I want, I'm in love with the world. But I love Jesus. Yes, and you love the world in the divided heart. God says, that's going to drive you nuts. Loving me and then loving the world, it's going to drive you nuts up here. It's not what I want. I want you to love me. I'll say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. So he wants to make sure you understand that point. Search me is realizing I have a mission. I have a purpose. I have a life. It's not all about me, and that's a problem. We're also thinking about how does this work for me? What's it going to do for me? What's going to how it affect my future? Me, 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 me. And, and you miss what really God's trying to do. It's a dangerous prayer because what it's trying to do is trying to line you up. It says God's going to pour himself out here. He's trying to line you up so you're here so he can pour himself out in you. It's a dangerous prayer because it makes you fully alive. Yes, you're experiencing shame and, 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 and all this stuff and this embarrassment and this awkwardness and you're, you're feeling pain from the past that you need to heal from inner wounds. Yes, you're feeling all those things. God doesn't want to keep you there. God wants to take you through there something more. But as soon as we get here, we back off and go back to the other. David says, I know I need to be searched. I need to have you look at my divided heart. I need you to integrate heaven with me. Your will be done on earth here in me as a I need to turn my gaze back to you because I'm looking at me and what I want. Number two, test me and know my anxious heart. Anyone here have any anxieties or any worries, any concerns, anything you're stressing on? Just go ahead and raise your hand. You get, 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 yeah, say we all, we all have that. And if you didn't raise your hand, you, you either have them thinking about it or you're just lying to me. It's one or the other. You know? And, and so I, it, that's just this way it is because we all have fears. We all have worries. So for the worrier, that helps you to know that other people have worries, okay? You know, and, and for the ones things that have worries, you need to realize you've you got some fears and worries. When we pray, God starts talking. God starts showing. God starts revealing. God is never there to shame you, to make you feel guilt. He'll convict you to say, are you sure this is a road you want? Because there is this end. 
I'm trying to prevent that. Are you sure this is where you want to be? Because I'll, I'll help you change right now. That's conviction. Guilt is just feeling bad and no good. That, that's not from God. He wants to reveal your fears. So let me ask you a question. What really are you afraid of? And as I'm saying that, something's popping to your mind, a thought, a person, a situation. You know, something's coming up. You're afraid. Losing something, not getting something, somehow being denied, well, whatever it may be. Now, I'm not talking about external stuff, okay? I'm not talking about snakes. I'm not talking about spiders. I mean, you may be afraid of those. I'm talking, I want you to look in the internal, the inner side, okay? What inside of you are you really afraid of? Rejection? Failure? What inside of you are you afraid of? Not being accepted? Because we all have some fears. And that drives us internally. Why do we pray, search me, test me, so that these can be revealed? Because what you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. Wherever you're having fear, you're also having a trust issue in what God can do. I'm not sure you can handle this one. You're worried about who you're going to marry? Then you're not sure that you can trust God when it comes to relationships. Well, it's taken so long, I think I better, I better take over. It's been a long time. You know, I'm not sure what he's doing. He's trying to line you up. That's the problem. You won't line up. You want to do it your way. Fear of tithing? Here, here's what's really important. You're, you're afraid that God can provide. This is bigger than whether you tithe, folks. If you can't trust God to provide, you'll never dream a dream. You'll never walk through a crisis. You'll never get anywhere because you can't trust Him to provide. Trouble letting go of a, war, a wound, an abuse, a hurt, an argument, what someone has said. I can't let go of that. All right? You don't trust God for more. Ephesians 3.20 says more than you can ask, more than you can dream, more than you can think I'm able to do. You don't believe God has more for you. He's always taking away. He doesn't take anything away. He just gives. Tries to prevent your heart from being hurt. Tries to prevent your heart from being deceitful to and you being lied to. He tries all that stuff, you know. That's what he's trying to prevent you from. He's trying to take the pain away from you. But he wants to give you more. Why are we going to pray this prayer? It's huge. We're worried about what people will say. But we don't understand that we're unique, crafted, on mission. We're worried about our health. You're not sure that God will intervene, that God really 
is active in the day-to-day things that happen. Right now, I mean, we know there's some racial issues and stuff going on, and so we don't want to talk about it because in talking about it, I may say something wrong. Even in saying, hey, I, I, I want to I be involved with that, can be taken wrong. And so as a, right, as a result, we'd rather just be silent about it, pretend it doesn't, hasn't happened, and just go on. Because we're afraid. When the real answer is so simple, just find that one person a different ethnic group or whatever that, that God is just putting in your way that you can sit and have supper with and meals with and get to know and connect with and be involved in their life and healing happens for everyone. But it's not solving the rise. I, no, no, no. Just, just imagine every church, every family just found one person, one family and just mixed it up. I worry as a pastor that many of you may become lost in this time of deception and lies. I look at some of the stuff, what happened with the crosses and all these. How does somebody come to a point that they're so hating the very persons that want to love them? I I worry that I'm not going to be capable of doing what it takes to make an army out of you. This isn't a cruise ship. This isn't all the buffets that you want and you have all your fun and just come to whatever program like that. This is a spiritual battle. And if you haven't figured it out, folks, we are way past some things. I'm not just being an alarmist. I'm telling you, where we have been positioned right now, at any second, our rights can be taken away and things done away. You have no idea of where we're positioned. And what you have mostly is no idea of how God has positioned you. You are the church. And as long as the church is here in this world, It is the front line. It is what holds back evil and deception in all its level. And we have to be more wise and and more understanding and more full of the Spirit and demonstration of His power. But what if it doesn't happen? Well, you're guaranteeing it won't happen. So that, you know, because you're worried about it, you won't do it. You know, But I have to rest that God is in charge. And I have to rest that God is preparing you and you're in the right place. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit, when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down, You are familiar with all of my ways. How you eat your food in a weird way and how you, you know, have all these little quirks that drive your spouse nuts or your kids nuts and they drive you nuts. 
God says, I'm familiar with all your ways. Before a word was on your tongue, Lord, you knew it completely. You hem me in. So you're like sewn into a bag. You hem me in from behind and in front. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Too lofty. I can't even... God, when I realize who I am, I can't even fathom that type of presence and that type of love that you have for me. Across the page, God is omniscient. He knows everything. He sees through your deceitful heart, your furies, your words, your thoughts. He says, I know it. And as you seek me, as you seek to be like Christ, you will know freedom. And you will know more. God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. There's no place you cannot go without Him being there. He says that in starting with verse 10. Well, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? We spend so much time trying to outrun God. I never found God. I'm always running from God. You need to get that squared away, okay? God is always... It's kind of it's like the Marvel thing, you know, and you say, I'm going to run over here, and I'm saying, poof, here I am. God is there. When you're running from Him, you're running to Him. That's God. That's, that's got to blow your mind. Because you can't outrun God. Well, I'm going to get away from him. I'm going to go somewhere he doesn't. He isn't. He's everywhere. Not in this bad place. Oh, yes, he is. And one of the things I, I used to marvel at as a policeman was I was in a bar and stuff like that, how a guy that'd be so drunk is, is sharing Christ with somebody right there. I mean, even in the middle of that bar, Christ is there talking. It's not what he wants. He wants to break them free of the habits and all these other things, but Christ isn't afraid of any spot. If I go up to heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hands will guide me. Your right hand will hold me. We're just running around on his hand. We think, oh, I'm going to run away. I'm running up the index finger. Oh, I'm running away. Up, down the middle finger. You're right there. You can't escape his love, is what he says. David was confident in God. When you know God is responsible, you can rest. God, you got this one. And when somebody asks you how, I have no idea what he's going to do, but it's going to be good. You don't have a plan? <laughs> if I had a plan, it'd be messed up. It's, he's got a plan. Has he told you? Well, not yet, but he doesn't include me in most of his plans. He just lets me know what I'm supposed to do my part. 
you can rest in that. Uh, when I was a young deputy and, and um, I had busted this one guy and, and he was, I found out later, he happened to be the head of a local gang that lived right next to me. I did not know that when I busted him. Um, and uh, he got a lot of extra time for what, what happened. And so as a result of that, our family uh, was shot at. We had a bomb planted in our car. Uh, they would take our pets. They would kill them and put them on the front doorsteps. Uh, they called from inside the house to the other side of the house. Uh, there were, when we were tracing and tracking phones, we found out that was going on. Just all types of chaos was happening during that time period. But during that time period, an evangelist that worked in the prophetic had come by and he stood our family up. We didn't know him. We were in a church that had four or five hundred there and he stood us up and he says, you need to know that there's something spiritually going on against your family, but God will protect you and no harm will ever come your way. We were still shot at. We still had things that go crazy by us, but there was no harm that ever came to us. You can rest. God's in charge. What you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. So I'm going to challenge you this week. I want you to read Psalms. I want you to read this verse. I want you to read it over and over. Search me. Test me. Know me. Lead me. And see what God shares with you this week. Number three, I, see my offensive ways. See if there's anything offensive in the way that I'm interacting or I'm being with me. Uh, I, I want to warn you, this is serious prayers. Because God will answer them. And it won't take a long time unless you're really fighting him secretly. He's going to let you know. And often, you're going to be upset. God, where am I not in your image? Where, where am I offending you? See, the prayer that I often want everyone to pray just to kind of understand, it's like, wake up every morning and say, God, how do I put a smile on your face? Because that makes Christianity real simple. I wake up, I talk to God, I hear from him. I do something he wants me to do. I'm all part of that. I'm connecting with him. I'm, I keep trying to do that more and more. That's my goal every day. And you just grow in disciples. Everything comes together if you can just follow that little, little train of thought. But this is kind of asking the, the question in reverse. God, where have I hurt you today? Where have I made you sad? What am I doing that you'll help me change now? It's really important you do that because the identifying is it so you can ask him to help you to change. You can't do it on your heart own because your heart is deceitful and it's going to go the wrong way. And I'm talking about everyone here. Push that person right next to you and say, he is talking to you. That's why it says... In Matthew 7, 3, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your eye, your brother's eye, and then pay no attention to the plank in your eye? This is Jewish humor. You guys all work with your hands. You work with sawdust. You work with 
dirt, it's like that. You ever get a speck in your eyes? It's almost everyone knows what a speck is. That just hurts and kind of annoying. It's like that, like that. Why are you with a plank in your eye that's eight foot long hitting people as you're saying, hey, look at that sawdust. Bam, well, look at that. What, what? And they're laughing going, that's stupid. Yeah, it is stupid. You have the plank. Why are you pointing at everyone else's faults? Because see, if I had you look around real quickly and just take a you go, oh man, that person, what were they thinking when they wore that this morning? I don't know what they were thinking. Oh, that person, look, they're fighting again. That's what's going on. You could easily point out everyone's fault in this room but yours. That's why God says in this search for this thing to work out, we got to be looking for your offensive ways. Because some of you would sign up for this. I want to lead that prayer. I'm going to go around and pray. Lord, search this sinner. You test this vile person. God says, we'll just turn the finger around. Lord, search me. What's my offensive way? What am I doing? We magnify others' faults. We minimize and make small ours. This is called spiritual blindness. It's wrong focus. Because when you're looking at God and you're seeing who He is and His love and there's no motives... Your heart begins to break. You become undone. And you realize, I'm just offensive to you at times, aren't I? And yet you love me. And that causes you to line up for God to bless you. And we're so afraid we're lining up for him to zap us and burn us up. It's the opposite. It says, now let me, surrender to me. Let me do what I've come to do. See, what, what usually happens is accuse and excuse. It's a paradox. I accuse others of the wrong and the things that they do. Uh, I see the worst in others and not mine. And so then I can excuse what I'm doing. someone else is worse than me, then I don't have to worry about me because God's got to clean up the bad ones first before he gets to the good ones. Not in the Bible, but that's our thinking. Stop worrying about others and see your stuff. Three questions that Greg Rochelle gave, and they're this. What are others trying to tell me? Family, friends, parents, spouse, well, what's a constant theme that they keep talking to you or try to talk to you about or there's, where there's conflict and things going on? What's kind of a constant theme? What's going on? What have I rationalized for some time? What have I excused away? This, you know, as I think about it, this isn't, this isn't something new. This has been in my life for a while. 
Uh, it's my one vice. It's just the one thing that I do. Uh, it's not that bad. Uh, uh, you know, everyone's doing porn. Everyone overspends. Uh, treatment of my parents. Uh, uh, you know, everyone offends God in some way, so it's not that big a deal. The one you've been doing for a while. Number three, where are you most offensive? Back off. We're not talking about that. Nope, we're not going there. That's where you're most wounded. That's where you're most hurt. And you'll live in this place of less and not break through to a place of more with God. As long as you fight the search, the test, if you think this pain you're going through is the life you're to live, you're wrong. It's to go through and become. And then reach back and help others to do the same. That's why we pray this prayer. Scripture says, what you say flows from what is in your heart. Have you ever said something and said, I didn't mean that? Scripture says, what you said, you really did mean. No, I didn't. Scripture says, what you said, really, you did mean. I didn't. You don't know my motives because it flows from your heart where your motives are. Well, everyone messes up sometime. Well, that may be true. It's just revealing what's going in your heart. Now, the other day, I, I often have the Holy Spirit speaking to me and sharing to me things that, where I need to grow. And, and the Holy Spirit is in the name of Pastor Terry. She, she, she usually <laughs> helps me find these, these weaknesses of mine. And so the other day, I, I, I kind of snapped at her because she was trying to lift something. And, and, and she goes, why do you always snap at me? You know, I don't, I don't like you snarling like you did, you know, and it, it was a snap, it was, it was a snarl, it, was, it, was, it wasn't kind, it wasn't nice. She's told me this very clearly. But in my mind, I am saying, no, it's because I love you. Because I don't want you hurt, I know that's going to pull a muscle, you're going to pay for three days, I, I don't want you touching that. So you snapped at her? And God started dealing with me, says, you're not helping and you're not protecting by doing that. You're doing the opposite. And so often when we think we're not something we really are, and we just got to come to grips with it and say, okay, what's going on with me? Where do I need to change? Because God wants to help us with that. We all have weak spots. But God, I want you to show me where I'm judgmental, where I'm jealous, where it's just plain ugly. Because you want to take me through that. And I open my heart 
to forgive me, and I don't want to ever discount forgive me, but guys, that is step one on the ladder of what God has for you. We're so busy, one step up on the ladder, and we forget about freedom. We forget about grace. We forget about his authority and his power. We forget about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. We forget about revelation of the word and healing. And There's so much more he wants to pour through us. We're hanging out on the first rung of the ladder, forgiveness. On the back, lead me. Psalms, can you see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me, lead me to the way of everlasting. Where does this prayer lead you? It leads you to Jesus Christ. And you've heard he's the answer and you heard, no, no, it's taking you from seeing the world to me, everything that's going on with me and how I see it and how I think and how I've been hurt, what's going on, what I want, like that, to seeing, God, what are you? Oh, God. How do you see me? Where where do you want me to be? I just show me. That's what happens here. Now God's able to pour out his power and his authority, his healing. He can set you free. Why don't we pray this dangerous prayer? Because we don't believe grace is enough. God, there's some part I need to do and I can't do any of it, so it's not going to happen. So just, I'm sorry, I, I've let you down again. This is a big problem, you know. If I'm going to count it, it's on the... It's in the top five, and God, there's no way you can solve this problem. You just don't believe he's enough. You're trapped in the rinse cycle. Wash me. Clean me. I sin. Wash me. Clean me. I sin. Wash me. This cycle, we go in and, 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 and we try to push through and we get to the cycle and say, I am just stuck here. I can't go beyond and I'm no good. I have no value and there's no hope. He goes, yes, there is. But you've got to start back here with knowing I love you and I've hemmed you in. I'm not letting you go. You should. I won't. I'm going to let you down again. Yeah, so I died for you. Knew you were going to do it again. You start with, I love you. And you get to the rinse cycle, you rinse. But you let me keep working with you because it may just getting you so fed up with the rinse cycle, you say, I'm tired of this, I hate this. Well, good. Now that you hate it, now maybe we can move forward. Stop letting your heart be divided.
And you're going to find that being messed up, being out of sorts, being aware of your failures, your stress, your troubles, your transitions, the situations you're all are all going to make you look to him. Because he loves you and wants you to break you through to more, to more, to more. You can't perform enough. That's where you try to do it. You work hard. You read the Bible a lot. You, you tithe. You do this. You serve. You, you do stuff. Now, faith has works, but again, that, that's not what we're talking about. We're saying you can't, we think that that just makes us good. Stop performing and start just being with God. God won't... Hear me. God won't love and leave you. It's a prophetic word for somebody right now. God won't love and leave you. Lead me in the way of everlasting. Lead me to forgiveness. Lead me to freedom. Lead me to my future. Lead me to equipping. Lead me to mission. Living beyond me. And 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. As the worship team comes, Jesus is the way to God. He's the way out of sin. He's the way out of your situation. He's the way beyond the wrench and wash cycle. God gave supernatural power through Jesus, but we must confess. We must be honest. God is not out to shame you in any way. He wants to remake you, reshape you. That's why he made you brand new. Uh, you know, we talk about getting on base with God, and, and, and we hear that, and this is the time that sometimes we tune out. You should never tune out on this, one because this is for those that have been Christians for 80 years. This is for those that have just become a Christian. This is for those that have never become a Christian and want to know how to become a Christian. How do you get on base with God? First of all, you believe. The Son of God. And the problem with many of us Christians is we have areas in which we don't believe that the Son of God can do this. And then you admit, God, there's sin in me. There's stuff in me that just wants to do it the other way. God, I doubt you. God, I really haven't been paying much attention to you. God, I see what you found. I admit. And then I accept his forgiveness, his love, his power, his authority, his sweet spirit guiding me. Allow his spirit to wash over me and break holds in my life to set me free. And I surrender. It's not about me doing something more. It's about letting myself relax in you and let you do more in me. I surrender. I sit in a chair and accept your grace and your promises, your authority, because you've already purchased it. You already gained it. You're trying to give it to me. And I'm running around trying to earn it. And I express, 
I ask. I speak words. God, you come into my life. God, you come into this situation. God, you come into me as a follower. You make me different for you. In a moment, we're going to take communion. For those that are at home, make sure you have the supplies to take communion. For those that are here, there's communion in the chair right in front of you, and you can pick up that cup right now. Communion is an open time. We don't restrict people from being able to take it. It's a time of examination, and it's a time to remember his promise of love, his promise of hope, his promise of victory, his promise of overcoming, his promise. And, and d- let me help you because this kind of messed me up for a while. In communion, I thought that promise was between God and me. And I go, man, I keep failing. I keep messing up. And you don't understand, when, when the covenant was made, it was between Jesus and God because he knew you couldn't do it. And Jesus died for you and he's in that covenant for you. I can stay in the game because Jesus' blood keeps getting applied to me. I'm still righteous. It can't can fall apart because Jesus and God the Father made the covenant. And I just remember, so I want you to take a moment right now. I want you to reflect. Make your chair your altar. God, you just need to search within. I let go, God, of my sin. Jesus is calling. He is calling you personally. He is calling you. And let God. Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Drink deep from his love, his well. Jesus is calling. So Lord, we just believe you're the Son of God and you have all power and you have all authority. In this situation, this thing that overwhelms me, that binds me, God, you have the power and authority to do something. And Lord, I admit, oh, I have failed you. I have have been rebellious. And Lord God, I just accept. I accept your mercy and your love right now, Lord God. And I surrender to all that you would have for me. I surrender to the mission, to the hope. And Lord, I'm asking, I'm expressing it to you, God. I need you to move with power and authority. So I pray this prayer. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. And God, your body was broken to give me peace. And we take the bread and we eat right now. And Lord God, in this moment I say, see. See if there's an offensive way in me that needs to change and bring it to my mind. But Lord, you lead me 
All this is so you can lead me. Lord, you can take me by the hand. You can walk with me. You can hem me in. You can lead me. Lead me, God, to the way everlasting. Drink that cup of promise.